Hello and welcome to another episode of Acts of the Blood God. Cat Bailey is out this week, so I'm here, your host, Eric Van Allen, and joining me, as always, is Nadia Oxford. Nadia, how you doing? Uh, I'm okay. It's raining like hell out there, so I'm kind of gloomy, but uh, what are you going to do? It's a rainy Saturday. They happen. It's a rainy, gloomy Saturday, and joining us for this Wednesday Adams of a Saturday is the one, the only Lucas White. Lucas, how you doing? I'm doing great. I'm actually really happy to be here again. Happy to have you anytime. Yeah, we're happy to to have you on and talk all things about thieves because this is once again a class conscious episode and we have decided to take on the thieving class, the thieving trade as it were, you know. Well, who doesn't love a good thief in a game, right? It's it's perfect. It's they like to steal, they like to cause problems on purpose. They they keep the narrative moving forward and they give you all the the potions that you will never use throughout Absolutely. the entire campaign <laughs> yes you will and you would have you probably would have missed 50 times for getting that potion i'm a good thief oh i dropped it again oh oh, oh i suck a little bit of housekeeping before we get started here as always we are acts of the blood god we have a patreon patreon.com slash blood god pod where you can go support back us if you're listening to the free feed right now and you want to listen to ad free you can head over there and sub to the patreon you'll be able to get the ad free feed we also have a ton of specials going up all the time including a new charlian dropouts where the dropouts talked about final fantasy 4's connections to ff14 nadia can you tell me a little bit about that yes i can tell you pretty much anything about ff4 uh we victor mike and i we, you know got the old crew together for the first time in a while, and we talked all about, uh, as I said, uh, FF4's connections to FF14, and there mm-hmm. are a lot, as far as any of us can tell, probably the game that could be- contributes most to FF14's lore, especially lately with the uh, 6.x uh, patches. Oh, gosh, damn, there's a mm-hmm. great fight mm-hmm. with Rubicante in the latest patch, and just the, the music for that one, like, I can't remember the name of the fellow who did it, but uh, he was the one who did the Can't Beat Airman and the parody uh, Four Fiends sound, uh, song that everyone remembers from like the 10s <laughs> to 2010s. Yeah, Lucas is making, I'm thinking motions here because he knows <laughs> oh exactly gosh. what I'm saying. The Okusun Man guy. Yes, like the... Oh, uh, um, it's killing me. It's, uh, it starts with an H. Yeah. It's what I remember, but he was brought on to officially do this remix of oh Rubicante's, uh, of the Four Fiends theme for uh, FF14. So if you, even if you don't play the game, like just look up the damn song. It's called Forged in Crimson, and there are lyrics, and it's just like probably like the most epic remix you can want out of a video game. Just saying. Mm. We do love that. We also have. John Wick, the the winter of Wick has concluded. John Wick, all the episodes are up now, uh, concluding with John Wick 4. Uh, we even ranked all of the John Wicks at the end, in which you can see live uh, Cad Bailey make me change my heart and mind on the spot, <laughs> judging me <laughs> for my ranking. Uh, we also have the Pantheon Thunderdome coming up. By the time this is out, I think it will be coming out later in the week, but it is coming up. The Pantheon Thunderdome is where we will be reevaluating every game that has been considered for the Pantheon so far. If you want to vote in that, if you're listening live, you can still go vote. If you're listening on Monday, the the vote is closed. Well, we we might close it in the evening, so maybe if you're listening to this in the morning, you can hurry. But uh, it depends on edit. 
<laughs> don't get my ass exactly it depends on when the, the episode <laughs> goes live and all that but uh we are planning on doing a reevaluation of the entire pantheon uh as as the clash once said should they stay or should they go should uh I stay? Should and, I go? uh i'm i'm really looking forward to that i think it's going to be fun i think it's going to be a blast we'll have the community ballot in there as well um we'll get to reevaluate all of that stuff so head on over to the patreon and check that out if you're interested also our pantheon uh for link to the past is going to be coming up pretty soon oh shoot uh, I've been poking away at that. We'll talk about that in what we're playing, which is the section we're heading into. Oh, right and I forgot to now. add it. <laughs> Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I, I remembered it. Don't worry. Thank you, it. Eric. That's, that's important. And Lucas, since you're our guest, what have you been playing? So for work, I've been playing Dead Island, but I feel like mm. that's not a good sacrifice to make. Like mm. I offer mm. up Dead Island and I feel like the village just gets swallowed up in the <laughs> volcano anyway. You know what I mean? It's it's like showing up with the uh, the prepackaged food at the, at the potluck <laughs> yeah. dinner, you know, you're like, oh, I brought Dead Island and you're like, OK, I guess. Yeah. Um, but other than that, I've been bouncing around a lot. Um, I picked up double dipped for Final Fantasy five. Story nice. Maxima for the Switch. Mm-hmm. Um, I've been playing a lot of uh, Romancing Saga Reuniverse, the mobile game. Oh, you're a saga Ooh. head, are you? Oh, big time, big time. Uh, do you um, uh, do you like? Are you friends with Jeremy Parrish? Because I've you guys should wor- be. Worked with him a little bit, but I, I haven't had the chance to be like, hey, let's talk about saga. You should. He'd love you. <laughs> oh, I would. I would love an outlet for that because usually it's just me, like talking at a wall about saga. Uh, so <laughs> talking to the saga wall yeah exactly <laughs> like you do um, yeah uh but yeah like the mobile game has been a lot of fun it's like one of the weird ones where they actually try to make it like the real thing and not just like a you know jpeg collector mm-hmm. although that's in there mm-hmm. but it's got all like the randomly uh glimmering skills and like getting the random stat ups and everything and uh so yeah just kind of poking at that um when it first came out, I wasn't as like into Saga as uh, as I am now. So like, I know who these characters are now. This is great. Yay! Um, That's the fun of a it? mobile game. Unfortunately, are are you a, yeah. a connoisseur of the mobile gotcha style games? Have you played a decent number of them, Lucas? I was really into Dragalia Lost for a long time. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, our own Victor Hunter was the character, the yeah. main character. Right Shouts to Victor. Shout out to Victor. He he found me back in my Silicon era days and gave me oh, a shout nice. out. Yeah, so I always appreciate that. Um, yeah, like that game really took a lot of time, uh, but I, I like start them and then lose interest pretty quickly. How, so how do you how do you feel RPG or um, sagas comparing to some of those those gotcha RPGs? Like, do you feel like you're gonna stick with it? Is it like holding your attention? Or I think so. Um, I, the real test for those games for me is like what the uh, sort of end game looks like. Not necessarily like the actual, actual end game, but it's like, okay, you're introduced to the game, you're going through the story, and then like the events start kicking in. And that's usually when the <laughs> games start to kind of play themselves, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So the, the, the test is going to be like how many events go by before I realize I'm just like pushing buttons to make the new content appear mm-hmm. and not actually pay attention to it um yeah the, like, story is interesting i i find that i've started so many 
gotcha games and got through the intro where it gives you like here's all the mechanics and here's this really good crafted introduction we've created and here's this uh you, you get to do a 10 roll right off the bat and, and yeah. you will guaranteed pull this ssr character that we've designated as the starter character and like <laughs> yeah. it, they just roll out the red carpet and then i find that once you get to you know chapter to act to whatever you want to call it that is when it's like okay now they're they're going to be like this is the game from here on out and this is where the the rubber is going to meet the road a little bit uh and i have dropped so many games at that point uh over the new year i was hearing a lot about one that is weirdly enough getting a near automata crossover now called uh nike goddess of war uh which is largely about anime ladies that shoot machine guns uh, yeah. it's it's a very like fan servicey over the top like the what's the one with the anime girls that turn into battleships um you know what i'm talking <laughs> I know, about i know yes. what this is azure lane is that it? maybe it's it's like it's like anime girls who are also like world war ii battleships or yep. something that's um, yeah it was kind of like that it had those vibes and the first the intro thing they do there is fantastic and really really well done like surprisingly good story and all that mm-hmm. uh and it, it does make you go like oh i can see why they're doing a near automata crossover but then the second it gets into like you were saying oh here's our weekly banner here's our event here's the stuff you need to grind to get the resources to turn in to get roles and i was like no no and so i'm i am we were talking about this in the pre-show, but next week is Honkai Star Rail launches. Mm-hmm. And I've heard how good Genshin Impact got over the years and was really curious about trying to hop on with a Hoyoverse game from the beginning. Uh, I was going to wait till Zenless Zone Zero, but then Star Rail is apparently a turn-based RPG. And so I'm just like, oh, I kind of want to see what's up with that, what that does. Um and I'm curious if I'm going to hit that same wall that I always hit. The only the only game I ever bust through that wall with was uh, Fire Emblem Heroes. I played mm-hmm. a decent mm-hmm. amount of Fire Emblem Heroes, which we talked about on here. And that, I feel, was like the the one, I, I don't want to say the, the one true gotcha RPG that, like, like it was gotcha. It was heavily gotcha. But oh, absolutely. I, I loved my time with Fire Emblem Heroes. I, I never felt like I was wasting my time with it. And mm-hmm. yeah, I don't know if I'll ever get that back again. Nadi, do you play a lot of gotcha stuff? I used to play a lot, like when I was writing about mobile games. Since I reviewed the stuff, I went through a whole bunch of them. But uh, uh, gosh, these days, not so much. I play Pokemon Go, which isn't really gotcha. Mm. Uh, I play. Uh, it is po- gotcha. It's it's uh, you catch it and you go, I gotcha. And that's- yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's the original gotcha in a way. <laughs> Uh, I play pocket card jockey, but that's not really gotcha. Uh, I don't play a lot on my phone these days. I do some consultation games, like reviews and stuff like that, but uh, that's not really the mm. same thing as playing. Right, right. For that's fun. work. Yeah. I I already play enough on my phone. I try, try, try not to spend more time than I need to, but then I get into pocket card jockey. It's like, oh well, I just bred a horse and it sucked that I have to put down because it's so angry. Mm-hmm. That's so, the plot of FF14, surprisingly. It really is. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He was too angry, so they had to put him down. He's dog yeah, food now. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I'm the same way where I try to spend less time looking at screens. And then I, folks who listened to last week's 
episode will remember i got really into the first episode of oshinoko this this new mm-hmm. anime that premiered which turns out has a manga series and that's how eric read 115 issues of manga between then and now to get fully caught up because i got really into that and it's really good but i had to read it on my phone through manga plus and i was like i am glued Oof. to my phone this yeah. whole week just and so i i'm i'm very happy that now like i have loosened that fixation from my brain and can put my phone back down but uh nadia what else have you been playing uh let's see i'm playing pixel remaster i am got that for my switch of course i'm playing final fantasy 4 right now getting through that (laughs) uh i'm very close to the end of octopath traveler like i i'm pretty sure i'm on the last battle is there like post-game stuff too i'm sure there is uh so you've done all eight characters story endings right Yes, and I've done the uh, what and comes you, after. You started the journey to dawn, I think is what they call it. Yeah, or something journey like to that. dawn. And yeah, so once you start that, that like locks you into the yeah. end game. So yeah, you are on the end game path now. I'm definitely on the end game path. Have and you um have you gone to a cave and picked up journals yet? Yeah, That's that a, was a that. Oh my god, it's like the best. It is one of my favorite RPG twists ever. I we need to do an Octopath spoiler cast we really and we need to do. bring Reb Valentine on for it because Reb was texting me as she was playing that section and it was amazing. It was I very, did not very see good. it coming of all the things. Like yeah. I, I have to say it was a bit of a twist, but uh oh, yeah, so I good. just I actually okay, so you know how you can summon people into the to yes. battle with yeah. you right yeah you can call and help yep yeah so i put up a tweet yesterday uh anyone who saw it like understands what i'm going for here but if you f- sail back to frigid island you will find a man who is a 10 star summon basically and really? yeah and you talk to him he says get away from me and the only way you can recruit him is you have like 20 pieces of rotten meat so mm. once you get him and you look at his profile Basically, you know how the profiles in Frigid Island are all, you know, they're like prisoners dossiers. They're, uh, mm-hmm. it says their name, their, uh, their number, why they're there, their age. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get this guy who says basically um, he's in jail for, he's 36 years old, I think. And he's in jail because he killed his son. When, and the way they kind of give you the numbers of the characters, you figure it out yourself. He killed his son when he was 16, when he was 16, not when the baby because I'm assuming it was a baby with 16. So it's like, Good oh, cool. Lord. I have a child murderer coming with me to get to the flat awesome. saddle. And that's Octopath Traveler 2. That's Octopath Traveler 2. Uh, I, I'm curious. Both of you all have, have talked about the Pixel remasters now. Mm-hmm. Uh, there was a lot of uh, flack about them when they came out. And, and we were even like behind the scenes talking about maybe we're going to do like a, a more full episode on the Pixel remasters. Uh, to kind of assess them where they're at now because they were already out on PC. Now they're coming to to switch into consoles. Yeah. Uh, where are y'all kind of at with the Pixel remasters now? I guess, Nadia, you can start off. You've been playing four. How have you been feeling about them? Uh, it's good. The new font isn't perfect, but uh, it's, it's definitely a huge improvement. The It's just nice to kind of sit and play on the Switch. This is what mm. the games were meant for, playing on the Switch. The... Music, the remix music, especially for six, is really fantastic. No complaints there. Uh, and there you can switch between the old and new if you don't like it. There's uh, some good quality of life stuff going on, like uh, automatic walk speed. And you can actually grind. Uh, sorry, you can boost experience so that you get four times as much if you want or less. You can you can adjust it as you like. There is an option to turn off random battles. 
I think it's great. I think it's probably like the definitive version of these collections, but it also kind of begs the question, well, what happens to the iOS versions? Because mm. that was the one I was playing before I gave up. I said, I'm not playing this without a controller because there's no controller support. To my knowledge, there still isn't. And a lot of people are complaining about that. And I don't blame them, frankly, because those aren't cheap. Yeah. And Lucas, you said you'd been checking out the the five version. Have you played much of that? Yeah, um, I I want to mirror everything Nadia said. Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, these I love these uh, games like the the way, especially like for the first three. Um, they they really like look to find a middle ground between what they were on the NES versus like what they kind of turned into over time with the other remakes. Um, so uh, for example, like the first game uh, when, when they remake it, uh, a lot of them kind of get rid of the D and D style MP thing uh, mm-hmm. and they put it back mm-hmm. here. Um, and then when like with final fantasy two, they do a lot of tinkering under the hood that you wouldn't really think about unless you're uh, too sicko and like, those people <laughs> hey don't eric exist. there you go <laughs> hey <But laughs> they, they, they really like go in and tinker um in addition to just like making them look nice um and like nadia said all the music remixes are really good uh there's a, a crt filter that isn't to the level of like stuff that people put on like retro arc or whatever but it's way mm-hmm. better than just like scan lines um and uh final fantasy 5 uh, I'm playing that on the Switch OLED that I just got that. And it looks so good on the OLED. With the mm, SRT mm. filter or CRT, excuse me. So good. It looks amazing. Um and I was also surprised because the first three games are so different visually. Uh, I was kind of expecting I don't know what I was expecting, but five a lot of the uh, Super Famicom sprites and stuff still seem like intact. Mm. So yeah. they didn't change as much as I was expecting them to. Um, but it's just, it looks really nice. Um, and they add little things like diagonal movement and the quality of life stuff, like having, being able to go in and like tweak, like, Oh, I can boost up how many ability points I get. Uh, oh, uh, Oh, yeah. okay. Yeah. yeah and so that, that I think is new for these versions. It uh, is. As far as yeah. I know, like, I think it's the same thing as the experience in final fantasy four. It's, uh, you can, twice as much three times as much four times as much experience i just kind of did that and it's like oh well i'm ready to kick Golbus's eyes and i'm in dime cyan <laughs> yeah, yeah yeah so like all that stuff like it makes it easy to play um and i think like the font i never really was bothered much to begin with i thought it was kind of a weird thing for people to get like latched onto the way it did i mean it's ugly yeah but the new font's fine i've been curious about that because I, f- I do feel like on one hand, I get why people are very precious about how they experience Final Fantasy, because for many people, that was their entrance to RPGs, right? That was their first time, and they they really want it preserved. But I've I've also had that sort of experience, because 10 was my gateway into a lot of RPGs and, and Final Fantasy, and people have posted comparisons between the PS2 and the PS4 version a lot. And I, yeah. there, are, there are noticeable differences, like there, there really are. But at the same time, I've played both versions. I've enjoyed both versions. I would still recommend you go play the PS4 version because it's more modern. Number one, it's easier to get access to. And it has some like good quality of life stuff that's going to help you out a lot. And that was kind of how I saw the Pixel remasters. But I, I, I think 
there's something about these games reflecting Final Fantasy as a whole that that like the classic Final Fantasy that maybe feels like we don't really have contact with anymore because of how far removed we are time wise and also like Square is obviously going in a direction that is very action oriented MMO oriented like the Final Fantasy as a series is pretty far from its original roots in that sense Mm -hmm. and um you know visually it's it's very similar but but gameplay wise like like mechanics wise even aesthetically it's it's very separate like the it's no longer pixels it's 3d graphics and so i think i get why people are are very precious about the minutiae and that stuff they want it preserved in a way that was i was going to bring up that i think depending on what day it is i think it's the 22nd as we're recording this so tomorrow Uh, Square Enix is releasing the Portopia serial murder case, which Ooh, that's right. fun fact is like, I, wow. I believe it, it was an 80s PC uh, engine adventure game made by Yuji Horii. Yuji Horii is before <laughs> yeah. Dragon Quest. Yeah, Incredible. he did that. So they're re, it's like a remastered version of it. But here's here's the monkey paw curling. Uh, it is it is used as an AI tech preview. Kill um, me. Now, I wrote a bit about this on Destructoid, and uh, this is why I'm bringing this up. Uh, It's not the worst AI tech you could possibly think of. It's not like ChatGPT is running (laughs) the adventure (laughs) game. Oh, no. Uh, It is, they're using something that's actually been used for a while called um, NLP or natural language processing, which basically means that when you play something like, so the original. Portopia, which was, by the way, considered a a classic piece of adventure gaming. Oh, absolutely! Just, I believe never came over to the West. Uh, no. We never really saw it over here. Um, the, it, it it was a text parser game, so it was kind of like Zork and stuff like that, where you had to type in what you wanted to do. Uh, and so, some level of NLP or trying to interpret the things you are doing as what should be done uh, in the game is incorporated and the way they're incorporating it is they actually show like a little window where they're like, Oh, you could say, check out that safe or unlock that safe or open that safe. And it will kind of try to like gauge both your intent with what you want it to do. So like check out that safe might be just like, Oh, you want to know visual information about it versus like unlock that safe. Okay. You want me to actually like physically interact with it. Um, I think that stuff is really cool. And really neat and really interesting. And they're kind of showing off like how that stuff has grown in the years since original text parser games, because obviously like that style of game is is all but gone at this yeah. point. There are still a few people that do it, but they also incorporated voice commands with it. So you can do speech to text. And so I personally love that because uh, I, you know, I, I am a longtime fan of of giant bomb and giant bomb has some fantastic let's plays of speech to text text parser adventure <laughs> games the uh, only also, giant bomb thing i know is uh, jeff gersman shaking the baby from uh oh, yeah. baby mama <laughs> <laughs> no there's there's a very funny bit where uh vinnie caravella formerly of giant bomb was playing this game called bot colony i think it's a, it's a really fun video y'all should go watch it if you if you want to just watch somebody struggle with a speech to text text parser adventure game because it's, it's really funny um but i also once upon a time uh i would 
you know, if it was just some random summer weekend and we needed some something to do on a Saturday, we'd go to Best Buy and and grab a you know bargain bin Xbox 360 game and throw it in and just mess around with it for a little bit. And that was how we ended up with Tom Clancy's End War, baby. Uh, <laughs> oh no! Let me tell you about Tom Clancy's End War. <laughs> uh we were yelling at those tanks to go to point bravo and they were not <laughs> listening to us um oh my god but that that's why that stuff fascinates me and so like but on the flip side this is a classic of square enix that is finally coming to the west and it's coming to the west as a remastered ai tech preview that is i believe free to play but I brought all of that up because with pixel remaster, it kind of feels like we're getting the best thing we possibly could have expected, but not like the rollout, the red carpet treatment. And I think the pixel remasters are really impressive. They look really nice and I'm really glad they exist and that you can experience them in that format. But I think that's why they're also being very nitpicked is that like people wanted this to be just, this giant production this this big ringing like let's sound the horns let's let the fanfare ring out for final fantasy's history and instead it's like this this package that is just a mostly faithful recreation of those games that that have already kind of existed on emulators and stuff for a long time does does that ring true for y'all or i think the the way they rolled it out and announced it was definitely really clumsy uh, mm-hmm. and lends a lot to what you're talking about. Um, I think the biggest problem is that you have these, to your point, old games, quote unquote, that Mm -hmm. that are easily emulated. And there's a lot of work, I think, that was done on them. Um, More than than I think you can really tell at a first glance, especially with like the music and everything. Yeah. so there, the I think the the biggest hurdle was like how do we how do we put this much effort into these games and then get like whatever return we need to get? And I think mm-hmm. the answer they ended up on was selling them piecemeal, which yes, is something yeah, that's yeah. very very hard to uh, get people on board with. Yeah, um, and I don't think they ever really figured that all the way. That's why you're seeing like it's still eighty something dollars for a physical copy. I just think the messaging on that never really got ironed out. And that's part of the backlash. Yeah. I think also, sorry, Eric, uh, some people have been rebelling against these sprites, which I actually think I like these new sprites. And yes, they aren't as complicated as, say, Final Fantasy VI's sprites, which are classic. But even though there is a CRT filter, um, a lot of people aren't going to use it. So this, these sprites were remade so that they would look good on HD devices. Like we were just saying, Lucas was saying, it looks great on OLED. And that is practically the biggest test for these kinds of sprites. So I understand why um, they can't exactly have, say, for example, the, the shine on the character's skin. Because without the, the CRT kind of muddling that up purposely, it looks really weird. Like if you look at a sprite from Final Fantasy VI... Uh, on an emulator, yes, it looks great in a retro sense, but if you're trying to really bring in newcomers who are very used to clean sprites and clean, very mm. well animated sprites, mm-hmm. you're going to want something a little more in the middle. And I think they, got a, they did a good job with that. That's a really good point. I, I, I don't yeah. think I've ever really thought about like 
what Final Fantasy VI looks like if you just blow it up to 4K. And it don't. looks it looks yeah. like a smash of pixels. Yeah. 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 That's that's fascinating, and yeah, we'll we'll probably delve more into it. I mean, we're come on, y'all know we're going to talk more about Final Fantasy if we get a chance, but as we should, uh, we'll probably do like a fuller topic. Um, I, I brought all those points up because I haven't played much this week. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I've been enjoying my time off between work games. I have been uh, doing what I like to call game research, which is where I just there are games coming up that I'm interested in, or there are certain things coming out that I'm curious about. So I kind of just dip toes into old games to kind of reacquaint myself. So uh, obviously for the Pantheon, I've been playing Link to the Past. Uh, I myself am at uh, Hera's Tower now, so I'm finishing kind of uh, the, yeah. the last of that early oh, section oh, of the game, yeah. uh, picking up all the pendants. Uh, I, I mentioned that the... The the snake one in the desert, the snake boss in the desert uh, was annoying to me because I could not tell where the snake was like, like where Lamola. it was in relation to my sword. And that was like a weirdly frustrating uh, boss fight. But otherwise, uh, I've been really enjoying my time with it. I think I never really. Th- this is maybe a broader thing that we'll talk about in the link to the past pantheon, but uh I've always heard people talk about how Breath of the Wild is such a departure for the Legend of Zelda. It's oh my god, it's got it's got all this stuff, and I'm like, a lot of this stuff was kind of always present in Zelda, and I think I'm oh, just yeah. kind of reorienting my brain because, you know, my my introduction was Link's Awakening, and then Ocarina of Time, and then all of those games onward. So I missed a lot of the Super Nintendo stuff, and I honestly, weirdly enough, didn't play a lot of the handheld stuff. But I think at some point Zelda did dip into kind of like closing that world down a little bit more and putting you more on a track. But you go back to Link to the Past or um, or even somewhat Link's Awakening and you realize you go all the way back to first Legend of Zelda. And it's always been about this open world and this this sense of like you have this large area sit out before you with all these different things that you can interact with and people you can talk to and things that can happen and you're meant to just kind of explore and i've been intentionally not using the fortune tellers uh i know they will tell me where to go and what to do uh, i'm intentionally not using them because i want to just kind of they're figure usually stuff very out. vague they will refill your hearts though if you're kind of in a desperate need oh mm, that's that, a free that thing that's something. also the yeah. potion the potion witch We'll give you a free sample of the okay. red potion. I've got a bottle. I bought a bottle, but uh, I tried to bottle important. a fairy and I could not bottle a fairy for some reason. Do you have uh, one? Do you have the net? No. Okay. That's probably why. You got uh, a fairy. Oh, that's right. They got rid of the net. Eventually with Ocarina of Time, it was like, whoop, just scoop up a fairy in a bottle. Yeah. Yeah. I was that. I'm so used to like little, like just bottling a fairy that way. Yeah. Um, Go to Kakariko Town. You'll find the net there. But, uh, Otherwise, yeah, I think the part that this is going to sound weird, the part that made me most impressed with Link to the Past was going to the town and having to talk to different people to find out, you know, where the sage was and all that Mm -hmm. so I could go find him. But talking to one person and then being like, guards, guards, Link's over here. And and all of a sudden the music (laughs) changes and this dude's coming to arrest me and stuff. And it's all of this is happening very naturally and very like in the moment. I was like. Oh, oh, okay, all right. I I dig this. Like, I think Link to the Past is number one, a little bit darker than most people give it credit for. It is. Like, I yeah. always I always think of Zelda as this like 
like i'm going off on the adventure and stuff and links to the past is like hey your whole hometown is hunting you now <laughs> yeah everyone thinks you like possibly murdered your your adoptive father and have kidnapped the princess and you can't reveal the truth so you just have to be like uh this this renegade this outcast uh very fitting for this episode um but also you just kind of have a map and you will get points of interest marked for for main story quests but otherwise like you're just kind of free to explore and find stuff and uh i like that it just kind of gives you hints about where to find things like the ice rod and he's like hey you know, maybe go check out this cave over by yeah. lake ilia uh i saw a cool trick there like he says like i saw a beautiful woman there or something like that yeah yeah jb in the stars of destiny chat shot to our stars by the way um mentions talking to the guard on the castle parapet i did that where you talk to the guard and he's like the last one who has not slipped over to the dark side yet and he's like i know i'm going to go like he he's like i know this is going to happen eventually i can feel it happening you should get out of here before it happens and i was like yo this okay <laughs> okay like yeah so that's my takeaway from like bold hot take here link to the past might be a good game <laughs> I'm curious about how you're going to solve the there's a puzzle in Harris Tower specifically about how to get the moon pearl. Now, as a girl, that was one puzzle that stumped the hell out of me. And it's not a conventional Zelda puzzle. I don't hear people talk about it often, but let me know I'm how assuming you do with you that. You mean like when you were young, it stumped you and not as a girl, it stumped you because I was like, why would that specifically stump? <laughs> no. Oh, I see. No, no, no. It was my age. I was yeah, young and stupid. I was, and I, I was like, wait, what? And actually... <laughs> To me, Zelda was Zelda 2 because that was my first Zelda game. So oh, when I played Zelda yeah. 3, I was like, duh, what am I look what am I doing here? What inherent boy knowledge is required for this puzzle? <laughs> do, no, I I have to, do I have to do like the stoic nod towards it? Is that what I have to do? I have to like see it walking on the opposite side of the sidewalk and be like <laughs> <laughs> do hey. a little nod. <laughs> oh my goodness. So yeah, I'm uh I'm curious to see how you do with that. Uh, you're actually coming up with one of my favorite parts of the game, which is when you go to the dark world for the first time and you'll see why I like it. Yeah, yeah. I'm 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 curious. I don't know if I'm gonna fully finish it for the Pantheon. Uh you know, it's the I don't I don't know if I got the time, but it's like a short ish game. So maybe. Yeah, I, I played it like fifty billion times. I can fill in for anyone who's kind of less experienced with this game. To your point about it being darker, um, mm -hmm. My first exposure to Zelda was actually the uh, there was a manga that was done by mm. uh, Shotaro Ishinomori, the creator right. of like Kamen Rider. Uh, yeah. Cyberpunk yeah. 009. And uh, I think it ran in Nintendo Power originally, but they released trades like sometime in the late 90s. And I read it and it was it's the story, but it's like this weird, dark mm. fantasy mm. Uh, sort of take on it. And it is like really dark and interesting and weird and uh, it's very different like yeah. it doesn't really chronicle think exactly how it happened like for example link has a hang glider instead of the the duck oh hell duck yeah actually yeah. yeah uh yeah i've i've seen some of those zelda manga trades before and they've always kind of intrigued me so that might be something i i do some research on for the pantheon as well i would definitely recommend looking that one up specifically mm. um i'm pretty mm. sure there's like newer ones but just like he's like the way it, the way this guy interprets like the world of that game just really, mm. I think, uh, accentuates that vibe uh, in a really mm. interesting way. Oh, I was just gonna say this was one of the first games that really gave us 
a history of Hyrule and its people. Like Zelda Two came close. It had some mm-hmm. pretty. I mean, you want to talk dark? There's a whole thing in the introduction about the in the instruction book, but about how to revive Gen and they have to kill Link and sprinkle his blood on Gen's ashes. But uh, <laughs> yeah, it's uh, this was the first time we really saw things about like, oh, Link is a Hylian, and mm-hmm. that we didn't have that word before. Actually, there's a manga the, for the original Legend of Zelda where Link is a half elf. Because what else are you going to do with a pointy-eared asshole? Well, that's all for what we're playing this week. Uh, Coming up this week, releases, we've got Trinity Trigger on PlayStation, PC, and Switch on April 25th. That looks like kind of a successor to the Mana series. It's got co-op in it. It's like an action RPG vibe. It seems kind of neat. It seems kind of interesting. Lucas, I believe you're saying that's from the Fairy Fencer team? Oh, really? No, uh, there's... Oh, no, okay. Yeah. There's another Fairy Fencer team coming out. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. We have Never to shut mind. the show down. Fairy Fencer fans suffer. <laughs> uh Live Alive is also going to PlayStation and PC on April 27th. So if you haven't checked that out or if you've been waiting for uh something to play on your Steam Deck, that might be a good pickup right there. That game rules. Don't miss it. Oh, it's so good. Uh I need to finish it actually. I'm like halfway done with it and I just left it with like half the stories unfinished. I should go back and finish those. Uh I know my sins to the blood god. Monster Hunter Rise Sunbreak is coming to PlayStation and Xbox on April 28th. And Star Wars Jedi Survivor is out on April 28th as well. Not really an RPG, but uh, it is, I don't know, Star Wars. Look, we don't have KOTOR. We're probably not going to get KOTOR for a long time, if ever. So, like, we've got to cherish what we can. (laughs) It's got skill points. It's fine. Yeah, yeah. And now for a series of random encounters. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. The Diablo 4 Server Slam has been scheduled for May 12th to 14th, a.k.a. Zelda Weekend. Hope you don't have any plans or important family business on that weekend. Yeah, say goodbye to your loved ones. Over. Uh, Nintendo hosted an Indie World Showcase. There wasn't too much on the RPG front. Uh, They did show Sea of Stars on the Japan Indie World Showcase, but it wasn't uh, much new stuff. Uh, Oxenfree 2 did get a release date, though, so that's what I care about. Uh, Advance Wars 1 and 2 Reboot Camp is out, so war has finally ended the world over. <laughs> no, thank God. We're all done. Ukraine is free. Ukraine is free. Yeah, Thanks, Nintendo. Way to go, Nintendo. War is over. <laughs> no more suffering. War uh, is over. We yeah. have Advance Wars. <laughs> uh, and reviews seem good. People seem positive. Uh, yeah. 
the Playdate has doubled its initial sales expectations with uh, 53k units sold wow. in its first year. Uh, Nintendo hacker Gary Bowser is out of jail, but will reportedly be indebted to the company for the rest of his life. There's some great reports out there. Head over to Kotaku and some other places to check them out about how exactly that whole sentencing has gone down and uh, what the extenuating circumstances of that situation are. Uh, and Stardew Valley is getting a 1.6 update. Concerned Ape came out and said that he's taking a little break from Haunted Chocolatier to work on a 1.6 update, which will have some new content, but don't expect nearly as much as 1.5. But for our main topic today, we are getting class conscious to talk about the rogues, the vagabonds, the scoundrels, the dirty little fellas, a.k.a. thieves. Thieves have been around for ages. Thieves feel like one of the classic RPG classes alongside warriors, mages, and really, yeah, you go warrior, mage, thief. That's it. You got a party right there. And monk. Mm -hmm. You can have monk. Well, I feel like monk even feels like an extension of the idea of thief. And we can get into this a Mm, little bit, but uh, thief, uh, let's start with you, Nadia. What do you think of when you think of thief? When I, the, the first thief I really kind of fell in love with was uh, Locke from Final Fantasy VI. And mm-hmm. when I think thief, thief is a class that I prefer because I like the lightweight classes. I like a dual wielding blade is never not cool. Like, even though thieves don't hit as hard as someone who's wielding two freaking daggers, I just think that they have other uses other than raw strength. Like, they tend to do the party debuffs. They tend to uh, be the chaotic you know neutral chaotic good sort they're yeah they're just always the 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 ones who are not taking things as seriously they're always kind of scoping out their next score or thinking of ways to kind of screw the party but they always get over it because they're always good guys in the end uh usually lucas what do you think of when you think of the word thief yeah actually um thieves really take me to like character creation more than individual characters um Mm. When I was a kid uh, playing games like Final Fantasy, whenever they're like, oh, name your character, my first instinct was always like, oh, name it after myself and my friends and stuff. Um, so that, that like self-insert thing really, really uh, hit me. And personally, I'm kind of like a small, stringy kind of person. And uh, <laughs> to me, that always translates to, oh, I'm playing Final Fantasy 1, so I'll, I'll be the thief. I'll be in the fr- uh, even though I'm like the quote-unquote main character. Um, and, and thieves are always interesting because like to, to like what Nadia said, instead of just to being like the, the damage dealers, they would, uh, they would have different like secondary, uh, effects. They'd contribute to a battle. Like stealing is the obvious one, but sometimes like they're the ones that get to dual wield or do, uh, status effects or, you know, they're, they're fast. So they, they do more hits, um, stuff like that. More so crits like, generally. Yeah. Yeah. So they're always kind of tricky, um, indirectly kind of contributing to the party. Um, and sometimes in ways you have to think a little harder about, sometimes you don't really, but uh, that's kind of always my angle. It's like, oh, if I'm putting myself in a game, I'll be the thief and I'll be the one doing like sneaky damage and like kind of 
translates to like D and D and playing a, a rogue or, um, hmm. I do think there's, it's interesting to talk about this. Cause I do think that like, like final fantasy one party, I always think of as like this sort of platonic ideal party form is you have warrior thief, white mage, black mage. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that is like the classic RPG party of here is big burly frontliner, Mm-hmm. Uh, sneaky, potentially very damaging, and also mm-hmm. status effect inflicting mm-hmm. backliner, and then uh, offensive magic, defensive magic, and that is like the classic idea. And so I feel like from there, thief sits in an interesting archetype because whereas magic, you have the sort of balance between offense and defense, between attacking and healing. On the physical side of things, on the actual attacking side of things, you have big burly person who also often hits hard warriors often do a lot of damage. And then you have kind of variations within that with berserkers versus paladins and things like that on the thief side on the, let's call it like the glass cannon side. You do have that range where it's like, are you a monk? Are you a rogue? Are you like a status effect inflictor? Are you kind of this glass cannon of critical damage and evasion? And thief kind of feels almost all encompassing. I wouldn't put monk under the thief class, but I, I do feel like they they are almost kindred spirits in this sort of like they're, they're I'm a physical attacker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. They're they're, they're step they're cousins. cousins. <laughs> uh, Don't look that yeah. up on Pornhub. Yeah, uh, and so the thief, but but that's why the thief is interesting to me is because the thief sort of encapsulates not just a way of playing a character, but a way of being a character. It feels like it ties so deeply into the role playing the way that like a paladin does in that you're not just playing a certain play style, but you're playing this idea of a character. Nadia, you brought up the chaotic persuasion, the Mm -hmm. idea that they're in it for themselves. They're selfish characters at heart. And that's often kind of their driving thing. And it also then informs their play style that most of their abilities are about taking things from other people or about doing single target attacks sometimes maybe like enemy party wide but definitely like they're not going to be the ones casting the party wide heal they're not going to be the ones putting a shield on somebody they're going to be like sneaking around and doing stuff cloaking themselves so they don't get hit that sort of thing and i feel like a good thief character is supposed to lean into that is supposed to make that a core part of their identity because that informs their character very well of course poison we all associate poison with the thieves Poison, That's like speed up poison or daggers speed down. yeah speed yeah. up speed down yeah 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 cloaking obviously um throwing stuff throw it yeah throwing. as you said eric they're good backliners and yeah. access, one reason i love Locke is because he has so many cool weapons that are meant for the back line like he has something called the full moon which is two blades that he just flings at enemies from the back row and hmm. I, it actually took me a long time to get used to thieves and really realize how useful they were. Because when I first started playing RPGs, I was like, okay, everything's about power, the optimize the equipment to hit the hardest. And so I was always playing like uh, characters like Edgar or Sabin, who are meat shields, uh, but kind of slow. And I, but only like after a long time, I got to really realize how fun it was to play Locke, how fun it was to play Shadow. And the thief is kind of a, almost like a, a trunk with branches like you start as a thief in many mm, cases mm. but then you advance to it depends what you're playing you could advance to a an assassin is the common yeah. thing is a, or um i had one on the tip of my tongue but of course it's gone but like assassin is a big one 
Which one? Ninja. Ninja. Yeah. That's what I'm thinking of. Ninja. Yeah. yeah Ninja's very Ninja. Thief to Ninja is very typical in Final Fantasy games, in particular. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think the other thing I really like about thief characters, we talked about how that reflects their personality and their their play style. I think thief also represents something that is core to good role playing, which is what you do outside of combat. So mm-hmm. a thief character, when you go into say a D campaign is always really useful because they can pick locks they can open chests they can do things in the world and i've always found the thief character the most interesting to me for that reason and that they're not just about you know i love poison type characters i love Same. dot characters i'm i'm a piece of garbage that loves to to bleed the enemy by a thousand cuts uh but i also love just being able to tinker with things and mess with the world and set up traps and do uh, like, like open locks, pick doors, like, kind of move through the world differently. And thieves move through the world differently than other classes like, like a paladin would. Uh, I don't know why I keep going to the paladin. I just feel like they are the polar opposites. They really are the polar <laughs> opposites, thieves. And I mean, like, shout out to Octopath Traveler 2, who really does the whole outside of the battle thing really well with Throne. How did mm. you ever feel about like robbing children blind? I kind of got over getting oh, feeling guilty about it. I did it. I, I, <laughs> oh, you have a stuffed Throne, toy, huh? Throne was my main character. Oh, not the stuffed toy. You can't take that. <laughs> Throne was my main character. So like my my first selection in Octopath. So she was with me for a good chunk of that game until Same. obviously you finish her uh, path story and then you can start freely swapping, uh, which is a system that I don't think I'm wild about. But we'll we'll talk about that in an eventual Octopath spoiler cast or anything. You know, once we do our Xenoblade spoiler, cl- spoiler yeah, cast. Yeah, sure, that'll happen. <laughs> Look, I just got to finish the game. <laughs> uh, but I do, I, I would joke that when I would go to a new town, the first thing I do is rob it blind. Same. And just steal everything from everyone. And then I would go and do stuff. So I'd sometimes accidentally end up finishing subquests that I wasn't supposed to yet. Oh, that's I just fun. have the item. That that's the fun of the game. Were, they were like, I need you to go steal this thing. I was like, yeah, I kind of already oh, took it. <laughs> is this what you were looking what, for? This thing? <laughs> yeah. I dropped it. Here you are. Um, but I love that because that does feel like this moment of role playing that feels mm-hmm. very like again that's why i love octopath so much that like the game kind of allows for you to do that and to role play in that way but that is like something very cool about thieves is that they can interact with the world in different ways you know they can also throw an a at night can do the knockout just i, I like that's to imagine great. she does like the judo chop to the back of the neck just like takes them out real quick yeah um, but uh i i love this this type of character that just moves through the world in a different and and not not just different because every character exists in the world differently but like thieves are so recognizable by the way they interact with the world that it makes them feel singular and and really important um backstabbing also critical to thieves i feel like thieves Mm -hmm. in, in a combat role care a lot about positioning maybe more so than than your kind of burlier paladin bros who just want to run into battle but a thief cares a lot about getting into the right position and kind of like moving into that back line and navigating to a backstab and stuff like that mm-hmm. uh, backstabbing is critical that is yes is <laughs> that is literally critical um lucas you said you like the idea of character creating and 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 being the thief is there something you especially enjoy about playing a thief type character i think to to your point it's a lot about um sort of 
manipulating the world. Um, I forget which one it is, but one of the several versions of Final Fantasy one. Um, mm. And I keep coming back to that because like that's a game I just like. I just feel like playing an RPG. I'll play some mm. version of Final Fantasy one and just run through it. Um, you actually get like the uh, the the running option only through the thief. Um, I can't remember if it's like the PlayStation versions or the GBA versions, but like if you want to, if you want to be able to hold the B button and run around in Final Fantasy, you you pick the thief and you get to be, do that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. They're fleet, which, which is just wild. Um, I love that. Yeah. I'll teach you how to run. Everyone, come on. Yeah, exactly. Um, so <laughs> s- stuff like that, like behind in all the armor, <laughs> like <laughs> slow down. <laughs> I just, I just imagine the thief like Naruto running and, and the yes. party members are holding his hand. I, I, I do have to yes. say, Ochet, Naruto runs, and that's so freaking adorable. Oh, it's it's it's, it's important cute. to have characters that Naruto run. They they go faster. It's proven. Of yeah. uh, they're more aerodynamic. So we count ninjas as thieves. I feel like that's always a weird because that yeah, feels it's hard like to say. If, if Monk is is over here as as step cousin to the thief then ninja feels like the meeting point like the the mm-hmm. aunt that that connects them the uncle slash aunt that connects them is yeah. the ninja it's weird because like it, in final fantasy one again like that it's literally it's like the thief upgrade is the ninja but then i think so over time same with 14 the thief upgrade is the ninja yeah yeah and, and then it gets it gets messy depending on, on but what yeah game like after six that, but, yeah. has a thief and it has a ninja and mm-hmm. they both have they're both similar in many ways, but different in other ways. Like, for example, the ninja has a, a daughter who's traveling with you in the game. And it's like, oh, shit. But no, it, whereas Locke is more about the stealing half of that dynamic, uh, Shadow's more about the ranged attacks, the mm-hmm. stealth, the mm-hmm. throwing stuff. So it's I like I pair them in my party a lot. So they're they're very similar in many ways. Mm hmm. So that's a good segue to talking about some some great video game thieves. And would you say that Locke is I, I do think of Locke pretty oh, fast yeah. when I think of thieves. I, I don't know if that's my my poster child for Final Fantasy thieves. I think there's one one or two others I would put forward as more just the poster child of a Final Fantasy thief. Yeah. But but you'd say Locke is, is pretty up there. Locke is pretty up there. Yeah. And he's actually the more uh, he's a more charming and roguish kind of thief, whereas a lot of these are surly and keep to themselves. He's not like that. He's <laughs> JP in the chat yelling treasure hunter. Of course. Sorry, Locke, <laughs> treasure hunter. I'll rip your lungs out. <sighs> Incredible. Uh, yeah. I mean, Final Fantasy has. Oh, I, when I was thinking about it, I was trying to think of the thieves of of RPGs. Final Fantasy really does have good thief representation. I mean, it makes like pretty core story characters out of its thieves, like it Zidane, obviously. Uh, but even Yuffie, Balthier, uh, Riku, uh, some really like classic thieves in Final Fantasy. That I is there something about Final Fantasy that just feels like it naturally works with the thief archetype? I think they do a lot of really interesting experimentation with the thieves. Like, again, Locke is a more standard thief, whereas Riku mm-hmm. is a really interesting kind of amalgamation of thief and machinist. Yeah, and, uh, yeah. Balthier, of course, is classy as hell, but he's not, a, again, not a typical thief. He's a sky pirate, which is his own class of thieves, practically, that we'd be talking about all day. Mm-hmm. But he's mm-hmm. got a very different personality from, say, uh, I don't know, name a surly thief. Well, I don't know, him and Zidane are, are kind of one and the same in many ways, but 
Zidane is another example of kind of a charming roguish thief. And but he also plays a little bit more like a typical thief, though. Zidane is is was going to be my one if we were going to pick favorites. Also, all three of us pronounced his name. I was about to say all really three of us I? have different pronunciations for the main character of Final Fantasy IX, and I appreciate that. <laughs> I don't want to know what the right one is. We're all going to say it differently. So we've. <laughs> What was yours, Nadia? Zidane. Okay, you had Zidane. Lucas was. I said Zidane. Nadia had like a Zidane kind of thing. Oh going yeah, on, at yeah. Least yeah. I say Zidane. A little bit like inflection yeah. at the end, and I like Zidane. Zidane. <laughs> what the hell is a Zidane? We Look, said aunt. I, what the hell is an aunt? An, a, like an aunt. Like it's like an aunt. Like, it's an aunt. You're like. Oh, oh gosh! No, we can't start this. <laughs> yeah. To to your point about um, thieves sort of having impact on the on the outside of the game i think zidane in final fantasy 9 uh is a little different but i feel like the game is really oriented around having your main character be the thief um Mm. specifically because i i feel like especially 9 also kind of has the emphasis on your equipment and tying like abilities to it especially early on in the game like you can get really good stuff uh, using steel, especially from like a lot of the early game bosses. Like you can really, if you take the time to like focus on, okay, I'm going to have Zidane use steel until the game tells me I can't steal anymore. Um, that's going to really set you up with like uh, extra items and like better equipment faster. Um, and I always appreciated that as like a, yeah. a motivation to, to really engage with like that part of his character. Some yeah. Final Fantasy games are better than others, giving you good loot for stealing. Uh, FF6 famously has a couple of, like, stealing the um, Economizer, that's the old name for it, I can't remember the new name, from the Brachiosaurus is a mm, big thing. Mm, mm. And uh, early in the game, actually, one of my favorite things to do is steal from the, um, there's like these kind of rhinoceros-looking enemies around Figaro. They have a mithril claw, mithril claw which you can give to Saban as soon as you meet him. And that gives him a huge power boost early in the game. Like I use that until I get to like Zozo. So you do have to know kind of what you're, what you're using your energies on. And that's where I find a guide sometimes comes in handy to be honest. Mm-hmm. It's like, I'm not going to sit there and rob mooks for like a, a potion each. It's just, I, mm-hmm. I, I, I'm going to die in 40 years or whatever. Give me my time. I, I do find that you brought up Riku earlier, the idea of mixing uh literally mixing uh of, of combining the thief with the more item focused classes of Final Fantasy because that's another thing that I believe we talked about when we were talking about healers uh but the idea that you know, the alchemist the chemist the the machinist like those those healing classes that focus on the items specifically do feel like a natural thing for the thief to engage with cuz like it's okay you're stealing all of these items now make use of them now actually mm-hmm. apply them exactly and that felt like a really cool way of acknowledging the 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 link there but we're not just going to talk about final fantasy of course uh joker do we consider joker a thief like oh, like God, yeah he's arsene lupin so so there is like like thief coded for sure yes yes uh we've got lupon See, we're once again going to pronounce everything differently. Uh, I just said pronounce. I'm very mad at myself. I'm, about the French, that. I'm from the French country or part French country. I'm going to say maybe I'm pronouncing it properly, but I can be completely wrong because I'm a dumb Anglo. But I, I always said Arsène Lupin. I, I always say Lupin because I I always heard it as it was Lupin the Third, and so that's that's just I know because like, the, the anime you like yeah, yeah Lupin they say Lupin. Yeah, I just uh, hear Zinni got in my head. Lupin. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> um oh man winter of lupon look forward to it um but yeah so joker i was thinking about this for a while because joker could also be considered hot take here a blue mage uh because mm-hmm. his whole thing revolves around getting monster skills and turning them against the enemy but I do think that also works into the thief thing. So now I have to break this conversation wide open and be like, is a blue mage a thief? <laughs> they do steal te- techniques they from steal enemies. Spells. Yeah, it's like white collar version, right? They're stealing intellectual white property. They're <laughs> stealing a penny a day that leaks from the data. It won't add up or anything. Oh, shit, it added up. <laughs> oh, that's the white collar mage over there. <laughs> As Sardin says, like all all thieves are sorry, all of the thieves are thieves, but there's no stealing mechanic in the game, really, is there? That I don't rem- other than stealing monster souls. Uh, you also bring up Gaius from Fire Emblem Awakening. I do think that all the Fire Emblem thieves are just very. They're memorable. all hot. I've had They're a crush on every single thief. <laughs> the first uh, I can't remember the, the Japanese name, but the first game that came out for the GBA in the West, I saw Math and I'm like, holy shit! I think I like this series. But yeah, that's another actually class that can advance to the Myrmidon, I think. And the assassin, which is like, oh, the animation mm-hmm. for an assassin, which oh, they yeah. emulate as well. Oh, in, yeah. uh, I think in the new one in Engage. So cool. Just so cool. Engage is a good one because uh, I forget her name, but the. Inaka. Yeah, like, Papaya girl. Yeah. Yinaka yeah, here. They like make a big deal out of her being the thief. Mm-hmm. Um, almost. It kind of felt like arbitrary to me. Just like, here's her class that no one else can do or something like that. But like, she's so cool Mm -hmm, when mm -hmm. she gets like a critical and stuff like that. I chose a Zelkov as my thief. I love him. He's so right. The the goth guy, the goth guy. He's so like, first of all, I had to think for goth guys, I guess, and goth girls, Mm -hmm. to be honest with you. But uh, he's there's this really cute interaction. He has with Jean, who's a little doctor boy you can recruit, where, of course, Jean's terrified of him. But like. Zelkov likes kids. He wants to like you know help them out or whatever, and he's trying to be nice, but he keeps scaring the shit out of this poor kid. But they eventually <laughs> they eventually bond over pickles because uh, Zelkov loves to cook, and uh, what's his name? Jean is he makes pickles. That's his thing, and he's really good at it. So they become really good friends and have like discussions about Jean's mother and like you know all this other stuff, and really sweet. There's some really weird but sweet interactions in that game. You just got to look mm. for them. I think Yunaka's intro where she does the the is like the killer eyes. I, I have killer, I have killer eyes. eyes. Yeah, I have yeah. killer's eyes. Killer's eyes. I have a yeah, killer's yeah. eyes. What are we talking about? It's it's a great introduction to that character. Also, uh, what what I feel like has quickly become maybe uh, a poster child for thieves is Eric from Dragon Quest Eleven. And shout yeah. out first of all to a thief named Eric. You know, we love the representation of the Eric's <laughs> in the RPG. We love Eric's who are bad. Yeah. The bad Eric's. Yeah, we we support Eric's wrongs on this podcast. Thieves were actually late, latecomers to Dragon Quest in in like, yeah. you know, context. Uh they first mm. arrived in the Super Famicom remake of Dragon Quest three. And they bring a very interesting tool set. They can use whips as well as boomerangs. Whips can hit groups of enemies. Boomerangs can hit all the enemies. And these aren't very strong attacks, obviously. They're, they're spread out. But you can actually use spells, of course, to kind of buff up those attacks, to debuff enemies, of course. And in a game where uh, good spells are very expensive and, and MP restoring items are a little hard to come by, 
it's a really great thing to have a, a character who can hit groups of enemies with a physical weapon. It really mm. was kind of a game changer mechanically for Dragon Quest. But Dragon Quest Nine really has a, a good reason to have thieves too, because of how important like the synthesis is in that game. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and I know like it's important in other games around them too, but like it felt really like a big deal in Nine because so much of it is like remembering where. Uh, to get certain ingredients so you can like yes. just really just break the crap out of your party in that game. <laughs> That's always fun. Yeah. We had a question. Uh, JB asked, oh, who's the thief in Final Fantasy VIII? Uh, I'm going to say Kiros. I don't remember if he could steal, but mm. he, had, he did. He was a, a quick character who could do, who could do a wave, as I recall. <laughs> Some vibes. Based on vibes alone. <laughs> Dual uh, wield, rather. Yeah. Um, and then Octopath, obviously, I, I forget the name of the thief from Octopath 1, because admittedly, I uh, was Oh, not... uh, I liked him, but yeah, I can't remember his name. One he was the thief. boy. Therian. Therian, yeah. Therian, yeah. he was cute. I liked him. He he was good, um, but Throne, I... Oh, Throne is Oh, Throne is great. <laughs> Just stealing from children. <laughs> I have no money. My parents are dead. Oh, that's too bad. <laughs> like, like Throne is such a... Everyone else has all these different stories going on where Hikari's like, I'm going to use the power of friendship to save my kingdom. And Ochet's like, I'm going to gather the beasts to save the world. And Throne's like, I'm going to kill my mother and father. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Partitio's going to save capitalism. (laughs) No, Partitio's going to invent socialism. (laughs) 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 We we really need to have our Octopath We do. Otherwise, I'm going to go off forever. Yeah, no, Partitio is just the best. I love Partitio. Partitio is the thief character because he steals the wealth and redistributes it. There you go. (laughs) Partitio is the ultimate thief. You heard it here first. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but Throne as a character, uh, I did want to bring her up because once you you finish certain people's paths and and get their their final move, she gets one where she puts on a disguise, and I think Therian had this too. But basically, you get to copy someone else for a certain mm-hmm. number of turns, and uh, basically be a second version of that character, which is obviously super powerful in certain contexts, but was also a really cool acknowledgement of maybe the more charismatic kind of um, like, like gentleman thief style of, you know, pulling a heist or something like that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I always love to imagine like going to a gala and and stealing from the rich and all that. And it, it was a little bit more of that side of thievery and not just the, dude holding you up in a back alley with a dagger (laughs) which is kind of eric's vibe is like he's definitely robbing someone at knife point whereas like throne a is putting on a disguise and sneaking into the gala and 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 running out with the jewels and all that uh and i thought that was a cool recognition of that that side of of thieving but if we're going to talk about heists we have to talk about some uh, more Western RPGs because we got to talk about Kasumi from Mass Effect, who is honestly probably one of my favorite thief characters overall. Um, Kasumi from Mass Effect uh, introduced in DLC in Mass Effect 2 uh, and then appears again in Mass Effect 3 has arguably one of the best DLCs in Mass Effect uh, related to her all about this idea where you are stealing back this memory construct 
and uh, you you pull off this whole heist at a space party for the ultra rich and all that. Space and they do party. some really they do some really cool stuff with it. But I just love that again. I think when we get into RPGs and especially with an archetype like a thief, you do think of the sort of high fantasy ideal of that, the sort of you know sneaking through the shadows and all that. When you get to more sci-fi, even like cyberpunk type stuff, thieving is just kind of a thing that happens, but you don't have a thief dedicated character. It's a lot of infiltration, basically. Yeah. 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 And, and, Kasumi felt like what would that sort of, you know, international thief, you know, renowned thief look like in a, you know, in a universe where there is interstellar travel and high technology and stuff. And so she's kind of a hacker, but also sneaks around with the like ghost in the shell camo and all that and just does a bunch of thief stuff and i was like cool yeah you can do sci-fi thieves that does work that's that's doable and and it was really cool to see so shouts to kasumi did everyone here play chained echoes everyone played chained echoes i did but i didn't i got distracted by octopath uh sienna a recent addition to the thief subclass that i do think is absolutely fantastic uh sienna was maybe one of my favorite party members uh in combat and her whole thing is that she she is a thief type character who can steal, but she also fills that sort of assassin like like a very Dragon Quest style, I would say, of, of mm-hmm. a thief where you are doing these big party attacks and then trying to proc. Uh, I, I think it was Petal Rush, which is her ultra like super high power move, but you have to like every other move you you have has a chance to proc a charge that you can use for that move. And it was just this really cool, much like Chained Echoes, combination of ideas that worked into this really interesting new archetype for a thief character that I really liked. And she's also just awesome. She's a redhead with a katana that has her own airship and steals from people, but is always like in trouble with somebody, is always <laughs> like uh, someone is always after her for some cash or some job that that went bad and she's on the run from them. She's got a, a cool vibe <laughs> that, that I like. Uh, Lucas, what's a favorite thief that we haven't talked about that you'd like to mention? That we haven't talked about? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man. Putting you on the spot. We didn't talk enough about Eric. Hmm. I agree. I say this all the time. Yeah. <laughs> the thing I've been thinking about if you're having these conversations, especially when I think about Eric and, and Zidane, um, and what you were just saying about Sienna, I, I think another cool thing about thieves is you get kind of the opportunity to, um, connect them to the greater world in mm. a different way. Um, like Zidane, he similar to Sienna, like he knows everybody and he's yeah. always running into people who are like pissed off at him about something. And, and like, you kind of take advantage of like his connections to, to navigate the story in a lot of ways. Eric, you don't see as much as that, but you do see uh, some of the really cool combat stuff where it's like uh, you have his move that poisons, but then you have his other move that if someone's poisoned, that does a lot of extra damage. And um, and then you also get the uh, cool thing about Dragon Quest where it's so heavily uh, interested in spinoffs and doing more with its characters. So you have... Eric running around in Dragon Quest Treasures. Um, and again, they, they use like, oh, he's the thief character. So it makes sense that he'd be out there, you know, 
starting a gang and, and yeah. a gang <laughs> and, of monsters. Yeah. And like finding buried treasure and, and getting into sort of shenanigans that aren't necessarily the same kind of like global stakes you'd get in the normal story. But gosh, a, a character we haven't talked about. I had a, I made a list, but it was all like JRPG characters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, th- so I threw some, thing. I threw some Western RPG characters in there. The Gray Wolf from yes, Elder Scrolls is a good one. Uh, who doesn't love a guy in a mask? Uh, it's true. It's I also, true. I felt like this was on the edge here, but uh, Corvo, Tano, and Emily Caldwin from the Dishonored series. I know we've had the whole our immersive Sims RPGs argument on here before, uh, mm-hmm. but I do just. They're they're cool. Dishonored rules. I love that series so much. Never uh, played it. Oh, mm, mm. all I know is that the mark of the outsider tattoo. Like, there's people who get tattoos and they've been res- they've been mistaken for and uh, like antifa symbols or something. Stupid oh like yeah, that. yeah 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 yeah. There there was someone who like had a tattoo of the outsider's mark and some like random website was like, oh my god, that's a that's antifa. And he's like, no, it's just a video game. It's the mark of the outsider. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, Dishonored one, I, I I think I like Dishonored two a little bit more, but Dishonored one is maybe one of my favorite immersive sims of all time. Definitely one of my favorite stealth games of all time. And Dishonored two is also, I think it has all the same good systems and some of my favorite level design in a game that I've ever seen. Uh, and I know that that's very far off the RPG beaten path, but uh. It does make it they're really cool in the sense that you are given this like layout. You're given this area almost like the Hitman reboots where you are given just a world and told to like figure it out. And so there's a lot of discovery that happens in those games that I don't always get in other games. And I really do love that. I got one. Shout outs to uh, Ringabell. Oh, right. Bradley Default. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. Almost entirely because he has like dope hair and he and does have nice hair with kind of fuzzy, a uh, yeah exactly uh they're also the dragon age thieves who i think zeverin is probably the most like thievy of the group mm-hmm. uh but you also have i i guess why do i suddenly not remember her name isabella and i i would say she's like a thief character i think she is the thief the rogue subclass in that game uh but she's also a pirate um, and she actually has like her and Sienna are basically like similar characters because she is also on the run from people that she owes money to. And uh, yeah, Isabella is an absolute disaster and uh, thus is one of the better romances in that game and is absolutely fantastic. Um, She's the one that likes large uh, vessels, right? Yeah. Yes. Yes. Is that how they <laughs> say it these days? She is like... <laughs> Yeah, I look, we had an entire Normandy FM episode about how awesome Isabella actually is and uh, how good her story arc is and also how it's kind of fun to have a character that is the sort of Veronica Rabbit. uh, I'm not bad. I'm just drawn this way type character where like she acknowledges a little bit that she's like the hot pirate gal and she leans into it and has fun with it and did I say, oh, it's Jessica. You said Rabbit. Veronica. I, I thought Ver- you were talking about Archie for a second. Yeah, yeah. No, I got in my head. I went to to Archie for a second. Yeah. Veronica yeah. is a thief. <laughs> she would totally be a thief, though. Okay, if she we would. did Riverdale as an RPG, would Veronica be the thief? I think Veronica would be the thief. She has the connection. Archie, Archie would be a paladin. I think that's. that's oh yeah, he's just always been a paladin. Easy. Yeah. Uh, what, Betty would, would you, be a healer. Betty. Mm, 
Yeah. That's in classic Archie. Yes. I grew up reading classic Archie, not then, like Riverdale Archie. And then Jughead would be a black mage, I think. Mm. I, I, oh, okay. I, he'd be a he'd like, be a Zeta mate. He'd be a Zeta Zeta flare wielder. Donald <laughs> Duck. Like like Donald Duck. Yeah. Yeah. I <laughs> The greatest, the Jughead greatest sorcerer, is Donald Duck of Riverdale. Okay, <laughs> I just imagine one of those really bad Riverdale. If y'all have ever watched Riverdale, Jughead does those like really bad monologues where it's like, I, I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm weird. I don't fit in. <laughs> I just imagine Donald Duck doing. <laughs> I don't fit in. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm, I'm really working on Donald Duck, but it's just not happening. I can I can mimic a lot of voices, I, but I Donald can, Duck. I can do Goofy. I can't do Donald Duck. I can do him screaming. That's that's the best I can well, do. Of course, Jughead. <laughs> that sure seems like it's tough. My wife is dead. What do you think of that? Oh, <laughs> oh my God! Okay, cool. Let's stop dragging this off the rails anymore. Uh, any last thoughts on RP- RPG thieves, Nadia? I do have one shout out, and of course, this is back to Octopath Two. But in one of the towns, there is there are two thieves. You can look at their thoughts. The first one is thinking that, like, okay, they, they form a group, and the first one's thinking, like, I know what this man's thoughts are. We are the greatest thieves in the world. We can do anything together. And he think of you. You kind of talk to the other thief, read his thoughts, and it's like, uh, I, uh, th- I actually really annoyed this guy. I have a wife and a kid. I haven't told him yet. <laughs> <laughs> but apparently, they make a good thieving team. So, good for oh, them. My goodness. Uh, yeah. Any any wrapping thoughts on on thieves as a whole, Nadia? Oh, I think they're great. I think thieves mm-hmm. are probably one of my top classes, or usually one of the classes I go for. Uh, usually, them are ranged. I like lightweight classes, so. I just like how like cool thieves are. You never really know what direction they're going to go in gameplay wise mm-hmm. or story wise. So they're always fun to kind of follow. And they always like, even though they're kind of jerks a lot of the time, it's very rare for them to be evil. Except, well, I actually gave a shout out to Ronnie, sorry, Ratty from uh, uh, Dragon Age, not Dragon Age, sorry. Um, what's the name of the game that he's from, Ranny? Uh, Dragon's Crown. And oh, he's, I, thought you, I thought you were talking about Ronnie from Elden Ring, and I was like, I mean, technically, like. that would be a good point. But no, like he follows your party, and if he opens a treasure chest and says, "Oh crap," that means he's screwed up and he got to run because something very bad <laughs> is about to happen. Someone, someone brought this up. Uh, I think it was uh, Wa in chat brought this wow. up that that Wolgraf from Divinity: Original Sin, who's a thief. Uh, who had his voice stolen by a witch. Uh, and so there's like gag bits that they do where uh, you'll be like walking into a trap and it'll be like, Wolgraf is emoting wildly. <laughs> like, like, no, no. <laughs> and uh, oh, poor I, guy. yeah, I do. I do like that, that concept, but that is another important aspect of the thief is like recognizing traps. Yes. Uh, yeah, Lucas, how about you? Wrapping thoughts on the thieves. Um, I'll say that whenever I'm playing, especially like a Final Fantasy with Thief, I just like every single time I unlock Mug, I just get <laughs> hyped. I get so hyped. The like, game yeah. starts for real. I can steal and hit you at the same time. Yes. I'm so happy. That you don't is, that have is to make that feeling. vital decision. You mm. you know, okay, now now I'm a thief. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> I'm a grown-up thief. 
I always like the idea that mug is like, so, so you have like punch, right? And then you have like mm. steel, which is like, you maybe you sneak something out of their back pocket and mug is you sneak something out of their back pocket and then like donkey punch. them. <laughs> <laughs> Take this for your troubles. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think that is, we, we've summed it up a lot, but I think I like thief and I actually in games like dragon age, I tend to go towards thief classes just because I like the way that they, interact with the world i like having those tools available to me all the time and being able to to use them and and change the world with them i guess that sounds weird but like they can change the world state they're like very crucial for dungeon crawling and detecting things but also like they can do a lot to kind of break your conventional role-playing rules and i i always like uh characters that do that 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 don't just embody a combat archetype but embody like a playstyle archetype and i feel like a thief is one of the better versions of that style of character where you really are just playing a role uh, sure. that's what it's all about is in role-playing games that is thieves if you want to hear some of our other class conscious uh episodes which have been surprisingly popular uh we've done various different ones on dragoons monks uh healers i think for charlie and dropouts we did a blue mage we did a blue mage episode, episode yeah. yeah um i so, think that's one on the free feed so uh, yeah go ahead that, and listen that, to it that should be a free feed episode so you can still go listen to it uh even if you're not subscribing but you should be you should be come on you should be. do it yeah, and we we like doing these. These are always little rainy day pocket topics that we like to pull out, but we always have fun with them and, and enjoy doing them. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health Right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, for our final Pantheon revisit, I decided to bring up uh, Dragon Quest XI. So we've been revisiting all of our Pantheon games ahead of the Thunderdome. And Dragon Quest XI, which I am double-checking this just to make sure, but I believe did get... Yes, it did get Oh, in. it absolutely it got It was included. admitted. Do we Good. still feel like that is an admitted game that is a in the pantheon of this is a, this RPGs. is going to be really short because it's an easy yes like mm -hmm. dragon quest mm -hmm. has a lot of pantheon worthy games dragon quest 5 dragon quest 3 but dragon quest 11 kind of takes all of what's best from those the best of dragon quest and you know makes it into a solid experience that's just absolutely enormous incredible looks incredible probably one of the best switch ports ever made like you cannot go wrong playing that game on the switch mm. so it's yeah it is for me like accessible legendary uh how it leaves its mark might be a little bit more complicated but you could argue that this was like well i, I don't want to say like made the game the, the series popular in the west but did bring dragon quest to 
more like regular vernaculars over here. Yeah, Robo Riley brings up in the in the chat here, uh, chaos comment does the culmination of a series meet the history and mark making aspect of a Pantheon game. I I might say yes, if it properly incorporates kind of all the things that make a series good into one holistic product that is in itself making a mark on history, because now you have created a game that you will always kind of be able to point to as this is like again the the platonic ideal this is the 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 thing this is dragon quest and i think out of 11 a lot of people were saying like this is what dragon quest is this is yeah. like yeah. what dragon quest looks this like this is the lucas, one i recommend to a newcomer uh, yeah Period. yeah lucas how do you feel about dragon quest 11 uh man so much um it it to to the point about it being like a culmination thing, it takes so many pieces of other games and finds ways to just like polish them to the finest possible. Like it's got all like the vignette storytelling of like seven. Um, it's got like the skill point system of eight, and it's got like even like a little bit of like monster stuff. Um, and 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 it, and it tells a story that sort of like nods to the older games but in like a way that's quiet enough for, you know, newcomers to not feel lost. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know if I'd call it like my favorite one, but I think it's definitely like, like Eric, you said the platonic ideal. I think that's really appropriate. And and it really, it really did seem to like finally hit the way it needed to, to get like dragon quest to become like a thing that people pay attention to here. I don't, I don't really like where it goes after the credits roll. Um, there is but, some controversy over that, but yeah, yeah, it's 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 excellent. That that is a game that I've played. I remember playing the demo for it and being like, "This is the most generous demo I've ever seen for mm-hmm. a video game." Because it's like the first like hours of that game. I think I put maybe like something like eight to ten hours into that demo or something. It was a lot, and mm-hmm. I remember hitting the point where the demo ends and being like, "Oh, I don't." want this to be done yet i was like really (laughs) getting into this and i played i ended up buying the game when it came out and playing a little bit more and then just put it you know it's one of those games where you you got distracted by work or whatever and and you just put it down and now i'm going like okay well if i'm gonna go back to it i have to like go back to it but i do think that's that's one i need to to roll some credits on at some point it is it is on if if it is on the Eric backlog, it's on the actual serious for reals backlog and not the, the <laughs> Eric the maybe will play that one one day. One backlog. of its uh, greatest strengths actually is it is so friendly for people who are jumping back into it. Like it gives you minute by minute updates practically about oh. what you're doing in the game and where you need to go. So you don't have to hmm. worry about it. It'll tell you instantly. Hi, this is where you're going. This is what you're doing. This is what happened. And oh. so it's extremely handy. Like you'll get what right back into it. Do that. That's. Yeah. I feel a blog coming on about that, but we'll, yeah, it's we'll, real good. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's dragon quest 11. Nadia, why don't you take us home? I'm actually going to change my, my pit because Lucas brought up the, uh, the Link to the Past manga trade that mm. kind of came mm-hmm. out. It was more of a regular sized book, but it was like binded like a book. And, uh, sorry, bound like a book. Jeez. And we're saying words weird today. It's all good. Words are weird <laughs> today. Words are just not working today. 
And uh, so I decided I was going to buy this this paperback, this trade, let's call it that, uh, graphic novel. There, okay, it was a graphic novel. I was going to buy this graphic novel on eBay because I kind of wanted it. And so this all kind of spiraled into an incident that involved a private investigator. So I... What? <laughs> I put in my bid. I won. And it never arrived. And it's like everyone's been ripped off from eBay at least once. So it's like, oh, shit. Well, there goes my money. I'm just not going to try again. Why bother? And then some time later, like months later, someone emails me and says, hi, did you buy uh, something from so-and-so? And I said, uh, yeah, actually, I never got it. And they said, yeah, they're a massive scammer. We're hiring a private investigator and we'd like to kind of, you know, use your case as evidence. I'm like, sure, whatever, go ahead. So they hire a private investigator and they go into this MF's house and there's all, all our shit was there. He always had it. He just never mailed it out. So I got my Zelda manga smelling kind of weird like several months after I put my bid on it. It's like, wow. Well, it took the long way home, but it got there eventually. And it's honestly not my favorite adaptation of a video game, but it's just good to have. Huh. Holy crap. <laughs> my my weird smelling manga. <laughs> I still have it somewhere. I also have the um the book the guide that came that Nintendo did for a link to the past. And that is a really early example of a strategy guide that is a strategy guide, but also doubles as like a lore, a lore book. Cause it tells you some really interesting things. One of my favorite things about a link to the past, and you'll appreciate this, Eric, cause you start, just started the game mm -hmm. there. You know how basically you go left or right. Link is mm -hmm. a sprite mm -hmm. flip, right? They put a lore in for that. They said that link, whenever he, is facing death mountain he holds his shield in his left hand because he's superstitious about the bad energy flowing from there so i just love that the this, this strategy guide has all sorts of little things like that in there and i definitely recommend getting it if you can grab a copy i i do think there is you know a lost art to strategy guides that that i do miss in this yeah. day and age and I, you know, some of my favorites from ye olden days of like the brood war strategy guide that came with the, the war chest and all that. And, um, obviously like the lunar guide was infamous and, and things like that. Uh, I, I do miss that, that age, even like the age of game facts guides that just had bizarre. What was the, the infamous one about the Shin Megami Tensei one that like someone became a born again Christian and was like that the changed 9 their one? Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I'm double checking this. The Shin Megami Tensei. So there was some 9/11 one where it was like, "You will not." I think that's Mega Man or something for 9/11. Mega Man. Yeah, like someone no. I knew. So there, there was <laughs> a, a guide for Persona 2 on GameFAQs. The person who made it became a born again Christian, and then added this thing to the um, beginning that was like. Uh, I now take moral offense at this game. I would prefer that neither this guide nor this game exist. And that is, <laughs> there's something so I love that. funny about that. And it gets into like some weird wild stuff of like, um, just, it goes weird places after that. Um, but just the idea of the guy who wrote the persona two guy becomes born again Christian and renounces his guide. Renounces his guide. That's what I love. I would yeah. burn this if I could, but it's on <laughs> it's on their database. I can't do anything about it. But yeah, yeah, there's like so many guides that are like 
uh, 9-11, never forget. Okay, let's show you how to beat Mega Man 2. Because around that time... (laughs) (laughs) Oh... All right. And with that, that is this week's episode of Acts of the Blood God. Thank you so much to everybody who tuned in. Shout outs to our stars of destiny who turned up for the show today. We got Anthrax, Bees, Azixa, Beware the Slimes, Drew RWX, JB, Kal-El, Nuclear Sandwich, Robo Riley, Ruka, and Sardin. There were some other ones in there who we shouted out during the show who are popping in and out thank you all so much for showing up turning out every week for the live recording if you too want to take part in acts of the blood god you can head over to patreon.com slash blood god pod uh where any backing amount gets you into our discord where we do all kinds of fun events we've got 14 stuff going on nearly every night of the week at this point victor and and co are having big parties every week Uh, i gotta get back in those because i'm starting to run low on gill i need to do some treasure maps but uh uh, we also have our, our Pantheon Thunderdome coming up. We have a ton of specials. We have all kinds of stuff going. It's a great time. Before we bounce, Lucas, where can the folks at home find you and all the wonderful things you do? Yeah. Uh, so I am in the freelance minds at the moment. Woo! Um, Same. Yeah. You can find the some of my most recent work at Shack News, where I've reviewed Dead Island 2, Mega Man Dial Network Connection, uh, collection excuse me a couple other things uh some star wars writing at kotaku you can also find me on twitter at hokuto no lucas where uh you know i, I get to be grumpy about things uh, <laughs> that i'm not being paid to talk about anymore Heck yeah. um, <laughs> that's that's the uh that's the freelance life right there exactly that's where i'm at right now uh, maybe more later but uh, ooh, yeah. ooh, exciting a tease i always love foreshadowing of course you can always find nadia at nadia oxford i'm at c moosey and cat who could not be with us was at the underscore cat bot or the underscore cat bot at cat just look for cat bot you'll find cat. you'll find her you can't find any of us anymore because all the blue check marks are gone now We're- i never got one <laughs> So. <laughs> yeah, same. Uh, I, I'm too. glad mine is gone because now I just get to make fun of the people with the blue check marks because uh, they're paying for a free website. <laughs> the memes are honestly primo these days, at least. It's the only good thing I'd say about this current age. The memes are primo. We, we might talk more about that in the post show, which you can listen to if you are uh, backing at the Stars of Destiny level on the Patreon. But for Lucas, for Nadia, for myself, thank you all so much for tuning in. We'll catch you next time on Acts of the Blood God. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE.